Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Put your jump to conclusion, Matt, away, sir. Oh, I can't even jump anymore with all the injuries that I've had. I was just trying to shamble. Your stumble to, to conclusion? A, to a conclusion. Nah, I haven't been drinking yet this morning. But Let's w- take it easy. What what uh, what Sean is uh, uh, stumbling around, or, or, or what word did you use? Shamble. What, what, the, he's shambling. Uh, near is the fact that you can hear WTAD, this show, now, not just online, not on just AM 930 WTD, but also uh, on the FM side of the dial at 103.3. And I'm sure Steve and Mary were talking about this this morning. I, I would assume so, because I I didn't know. I'm only here for like uh, uh, two, two bats of an eye during the day. Uh, so it, people have been texting me mm-hmm. all morning about what was going on, sending me screen caps and social media things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have no idea yeah. what's going on. So I'm so focused on this show well, that's a that good I don't thing. let anything else sort of get into my, my radar range. <laughs> so Negative it, Ghost Rider, it the pattern while, is full. I come in and sit and he's like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I, there's a lot going on. You have to be a little bit more specific about the what you're talking about. All right. So that's is that in effect right yeah, now? Yeah. No. Amazing. Uh, we probably... We press the space bar. We <laughs> probably sound even worse in stereo than we do... Uh, <laughs> Do right now. That's just a comment about you and I, nothing else. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Last night's round three debate in Las Vegas. We're going to break that down here on the front half of the show. And Aaron Baker of Axiom Strategies will join us at the back half of the show this morning. Uh, I have the six ballot measures that are going to appear on the Missouri ballot, the statewide ballot, uh, that uh, if you're voting in Missouri, you will be looking at. We have really worn out Amendment 3. We're going to get to the rest of those issues today with Aaron Baker. Sure. We've also been over three. We've been over four. We've talked about four. Uh, but one of the things uh, that we haven't, and, and I, I say we haven't, we did, but a while ago. I mean, mm-hmm. like back during the summertime, we talked about uh, Proposition A, and we just want to touch on that. And it's good that you've got the rest of them a- as well. Yeah, we'll we, go uh, over we'll go over uh, all of those day. things with uh, Aaron Baker this morning on the morning meeting. And I just want to hit this, this Illinois notes before we get started with last night's uh, debate breakdown. So the Tribune out of the Chicagoland area has decided to come out and endorse Tammy Duckworth in the race between Duckworth and Mark Kirk for Mm -hmm. Illinois senator. Kirk responded, I think this was in yesterday's uh, Tribune, uh, with an op-ed. He said it's rigged? He did not. He can't because he has, of course, distanced himself from the uh, GOP nominee and Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, he basically played up 
his um, performance uh, post-health issues. Uh, he, he, he wrapped it up by saying, I'm not the man I was before 2010. Uh, I can't run as fast, swim as fast, but I still work as hard as ever for the people of Illinois. That's fine. Uh, he laid out six individual points. These are supposed to be reasons that you would want him reelected. Now, remember, he runs as a Republican. He has been, I think, often used as the living embodiment of the word rhino. He's the poster boy. Yeah. So these are the things that, that Mark Kirk himself picked out as reasons that we in Illinois should go to the ballot box and support him on Election Day. Became the first Republican senator to support gay marriage and actively lobbied for its passage in the Illinois legislature. Okay. Not exactly a conservative talking point. But, but this has always been about him dancing across the aisles. Mm-hmm. He's always been this way. This shouldn't surprise anybody. Right. He'd be great at the Rocky Horror Picture Show because he dances in the aisle. And if you've not seen it and, and, and done the participatory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, you know, that's part of it is is doing that. Uh, <laughs> he, he did. He just did a little jump to the left. <laughs> Uh, He says, I led the effort to build bipartisan coalitions to reauthorize the Export-Import Bank uh, that he claims protected 47,000 jobs in Illinois. XM Bank is, depending on where you fall, viewed as a necessary evil or the living, breathing embodiment of insider cronyism. Mm -hmm. So you've got those options. Even those who use it call it a necessary evil. And those who are opposed to it uh, realize that it is the the worst part uh, of cronyism in this country. So he's banging the drum that, that, you know, he's got that still operating. Uh, Mark Kirk said he supported comprehensive, compassionate immigration reform to unite families and bring so many in our community out of the shadows. Dream Act. So that's that's a big three so far here. In my mind, these are three reasons not to reelect him if we were in the primary. But again, we're in the general, and now you're talking about him or Tammy Duckworth at this point. Uh, other things that he said that, that didn't sort of light me up as much, fought to reform the VA. Okay, he did. Uh, created a bipartisan majority to enact sanctions against Iran. Uh, he was part of that group. And uh, bragging that he secured millions in funding back in 2013 to combat gang activity. Uh, including on the south side of Chicago. So, okay. So what he's what he's giving you are points from both sides, assuming that that will score with hey, all. No, sides. he's not. He's not giving me any conservative points. He's given me six or three liberal points and six what I would call nonpartisan points. Getting the VA back to where it needs to be okay. to service our veterans, uh, being part of sanctions against Iran. And then uh, funding, uh, landing additional funding to prevent crime. I think those are pretty much nonpartisan points. And the other three are straight from the left side of the aisle. Mark Kirk coming from an area where he's perceiving, and I'm going to guess, and I don't know about his campaign team, uh, perceiving that Illinois is a blue state and predominantly votes Democrat. Uh, He's completely ignoring the fact that we elected a Republican governor. Mm-hmm. Um, that this is his gamble. Now, this this tactic has has worked mm-hmm. 
for him to this point. So I, he's kind of like, well, why would I change it if it's been working? So, I, again, this shouldn't surprise anybody about Kirk. If we can go back to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, this would seem to be his favorite move. Jump to the left. There you go. We'll see if it works out for him. All right, coming up this morning, audio highlights from last night's debate in Vegas. We break it down, and then Aaron Baker next on The Morning Meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. of sources which verify that he was for the invasion of Iraq. Wrong. And you can actually hear the audio of him saying that. Peaceful transition of power and that no matter how hard fought a campaign is, that at the end of the campaign that the loser concedes to the winner. I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. Well, Chris, let me respond to that because that's horrifying. We have to have strong borders. We have to keep the drugs out of our country. Getting rid of any violent person, anybody who should be deported, we should deport them. The justices that I'm going to appoint will be pro-life. They will have a conservative bent. I will defend Roe v. Wade. I don't know Putin. I have no idea. I never met Putin. This is not my best friend. He said that he could not possibly have done uh, those things to those women because they were not attractive enough for... I, I did uh, not say that. They were all totally, it was all fiction. It was lies and it was fiction. Those were the highlights from last night in Vegas. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest Quaid with you this morning. First of all, let's get the the obvious. Those are the highlights. Well, highlights, lowlights, depending on uh, how you want to look at it. Uh, let's get the obvious out of the way. I, I thought Wallace was exceptional as the moderator last night, and we actually had a debate about some substantive issues. Did it veer off the rails a few times? Sure. But for the most part, this was the most substantive debate that we've gotten out of the three-debate package. That being said, there was a lot here last night. A- and the big question, you can break down the answers all you want. I think the big question is, uh, much like a team that's leading at the end of the premiership season and a draw is good enough for them, one of the debaters last night needed a win. The other one was okay with a draw, and I thought this ended up being a draw because of one big gaffe. And and which which gaffe did you think that that was that prevented the win? I'm going to keep you in suspense. Okay, no. that's not my answer. That's I know, the that's answer. What you're saying the is gaffe, the, the gaffe is I thought Trump was solidly taking it to her and expanding his base. And making a plea, making a pitch, uh, making a case for those who were undecided but who uh, are a little bit more conservative maybe than liberal. I thought he was excellent when it came to Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade, and he really hammered her on her uh, belief in partial birth abortion. I thought he made a lot of points there. I thought he made big points when it came to the economy. I thought he was successful as painting her as someone who thinks that everything is fine now and that 1% growth is fine and that it's just going to be four more years and, let me bite my tongue here, possibly eight more years of the policies that have been enacted by this administration. And then when asked, 
if he would recognize the secession of power, which has been an American staple and which really is the one thing that elevates this country above so many others, is that while we disagree internally, we know that the republic is bigger than any one person, one election, one generation, and that peaceably maintaining that republic is what's best for all. And even if he was being a smartass, it's not an answer that's fit for a presidential debate. What did we talk about uh, earlier this week that they needed to achieve, that they were going to go? They were going to try and <clears throat> both look presidential. I thought both did. And I, 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 I thought both did for a while. That they, obviously, it was, it was clear that that's what their aims were. There were times where they both pulled that off, and there were times where they both didn't. You talk about a debate on substantive issues, that totally favors Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there are people out there that might be pulling their hair out about that. But when you look at the state of affairs in the country, uh, obviously he's not responsible for this. So being an outside agent, when you talk about these substantive issues, puts him in an advantage. It puts her at a disadvantage, which is why in previous debates, the more we stay away from that, pushes it towards her. We didn't see that all uh, a whole lot last night. It did come up. But you're right, he missed some opportunities. But I will say this, for a guy who's been going around for the last couple of weeks plus talking about things being rigged, uh, do, do you back away from that in that moment last night? Well, no, I think he had already had the opportunity to, uh, when he was asked by Chris Wallace to say, you explain your comments about the election being rigged, and I thought he took it exactly where he needed to. He And he said, Trump said, I meant... The media coverage, which mm-hmm. is so one-sided, and so on and so forth. And then when he asked him, will you recognize the results? You say, absolutely, I'm an American and I will abide by the process. That's it. If he would have just, if he would have said anything except, I'll keep you in suspense, or I refuse to acknowledge. If he says anything but those two, it's a home run for him last night. But instead, the headlines this morning and all the stories that covered the debate, because let's be honest, While the debate drew a big number, and I expect a big number, in excess of 50 million people watching that debate last night, that's less than a third of the people who are actually going to vote who watched the debate last night. So two-thirds of the people are going to get their information post-event, and that post-event headline is Trump refuses to acknowledge secession of power. And it washes away all the other points he scored. I get get what you're saying. But in that that moment, he, he, he wasn't presidential. He was citizen Trump. And well, that, in that moment, he was businessman Trump. He does he won't concede to a defeat before you get to the point where the deal happens. And then when the deal happens, if you don't like it in the business world, you attempt to renegotiate mm-hmm, that deal. Mm-hmm. So he is who we thought he was. Right. Right. To grab a famous line from the sports world. Uh, and, and, and it, but, but you're trying to pound him into that politician mode, and that's not who he is. It's I'm, still no, not I'm, who he is. Y- y- he needed to be the larger than the business world statesman at that moment. That's the role he's trying to take on. He is trying to, even if he doesn't have the vocabulary to say this, he's trying to pick up the Jeffersonian model of citizen legislature, come from the private sector, serve the public, for serve the country for a time, and then go back to the private sector. But in, he doesn't have all the focus-tested group think uh, phrases mm-hmm. that she has, all right. the prepared notes, because he's not a career politician, which is fine. But at that one moment, you have to be bigger than the role that you occupy in the private sector. You have to be that statesman. You have to be someone who knows 
that people are not ready to have the fundamental core of this country challenged, which is the peaceable secession of power uh, as we move through history. I, I understand what you're saying. I think there was more to the uh, debate than that. And, oh, there was. If, 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 if that's all you take away from the debate, or if, that's, if you didn't watch it, and that's all you're taking away from the post-debate coverage, go back. And, if and, that's all the media is spoon-feeding you, well, there, there go is deeper. Some of that, and I would encourage you to, 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 uh, to go deeper. A- at the same time, I would tell you that she's trying really hard to be that, that lawyer politician mm-hmm. candidate mm-hmm. who has all the lines down, who has all the angles covered. She just, she just doesn't pull it off well. Well, my question is, if you are undecided, if you're really an undecided voter, my question to you is a very simple one. Are you ready to drag the country further towards socialism? Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. I'm going to go over some of her responses from the categories, and every response was the Socialist Party response. When they were talking about the Supreme Court mm. and, and the justices, Trump has already put out his list. He said, I'm going to pick people who are pro-life, who are pro-Second Amendment, yeah. that will see the Constitution as the founders wrote it. Those are very constitutional conservative answers mm-hmm. from a guy who's been called a populist. Those are very constitutional conservative answers. What did Hillary say? Well, I just want him to represent the little people. Yeah. Uh, I, I want a reasonable restriction of guns. And I even text you the focus group word of the night last night for her was toddler. toddlers. Yeah, I toddlers. saw that, but it was out of she context was, at the time. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. Oh, you just got that while right. you were. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So but here's the thing is it didn't even last long enough through that first Topic because they went from uh, the Second Amendment to abortion, mm-hmm. and it, Hillary wanted to protect toddlers from guns, but not from the not from being murdered, right? But before they could become toddlers, yeah. So apparently, abortion via guns not okay. No, <laughs> uh, there was there was one thing. Forgive me. There was one thing that Hillary said that I could not have agreed with more. Hillary and I were absolutely simpatico on. She said. I think government, and this was a quote, I think government has no business in an abortion decision. Uh, I think we're, she was absolutely right right there. Okay. Government should not be involved in that decision. In, in your, and she was, she was dodging the abortion issue by calling it women's health care. So I texted a right. couple of women that I know. It said, is this abortion or is this women's health care on both sides of the aisle? And they, and they all thought that she was dodging the issue, even the liberal Democrats that I text who are going to vote for her. They uh, wanted her to be proud of she, her stance. Well, no, what she was, oh, okay. Well, no, she was using the, the umbrella of Planned Parenthood. She didn't even bring that up because she knows it's a lightning rod issue. It was women's health care. But, but that's, you have to understand words and what they mean. Mm-hmm. Just like when she says invest, you have to understand that that means tax. Um, even we'll though she to tried to use second. invest in different ways last yeah. night, again, to blur the issue, to make everything a lot more complicated and a, a larger mosaic. No, I thought uh, when it, almost out of the gate when they were talking about the Supreme Court guns, abortion, Constitution. And I thought, now she did say the word Constitution, but I thought he went there more forcefully mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times on this topic. He had an opportunity. Well, Trump I, had I, the opportunity to start on his opponent's 20-yard line and score a touchdown sure. because of the topic that they started on, and he looked great out of the gate. He could have framed it up. Uh, he could have framed her up by just saying, look, she's going to say what she thinks she's supposed to say here tonight under the lights with the mic on and the camera rolling while she's smiling. 
But we all know, we've come to know, that she believes and says different things in back rooms with donors mm-hmm. and with people of power she or was with foreign who- governments who are, who are looking to buy some favor. If he'd have framed her up that way and said, so keep that in mind through every answer she gives tonight, mm-hmm. it would have totally changed how the whole debate went. Now, he did do some of that when they got to the southern border. Uh, and this was this was one of her most blatant pivots of the night and also the one she executed most clumsily that I think may come back to hurt her. They started talking about security on the southern border. Uh, she didn't use the words, but she described everything that has her in favor of the DREAM Act. And then when Trump referenced the recent WikiLeaks mm. about her her speech, the copy of her speech that was given uh, to a, a, a South American bank saying that her ideal is a hemispheric market of open borders. Mm -hmm. That was it. That was the nail in the coffin. She tried to very awkwardly pivot off of it to our national security is at risk because the Russians are hacking us. Well, but she also talked about... But it didn't go well. Because Chris Wallace brought that up to her. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, if you'd have looked further into that comment, Chris, I was talking about energy, which confused me all the more. Well, sure, because... What What do you mean, hemispheric energy grid? What do you... What? Well, and, and energy security is one of the baseline platforms for being an independent and secure country as well. So if you want our energy grid tied to other countries, we no longer have the same idea of a border as we had before. And, and an open bordered hemispheric market is exactly what that would initiate. He, he missed an opportunity to, and I, and I kept saying it out loud, use the word globalist. Mm-hmm. Use the word globalist because she, she would almost have to embrace it. And maybe that's not a focus-tested word, but I, I kept saying, come on, use the word globalist, and he never did. Uh, taxes in the economy. Trump was on the same points he's been on. Uh, renegotiate the bad deals. Make our allies pay for the cost of defending them. Uh, cut taxes and address this 1% GDP growth that uh, I think he made a great point last night when he said, even in, now, it's easier to have a larger GDP if you are a maturing country. We are a mature country when it comes to that, but you're maturing. So he brought up, and if you're not that deep into economics, you, you look at, like, he brought up India. They mm-hmm. have 8%. They're a growing market. They're a maturing economy, and so they're having more robust growth. Uh, but when you look at mature markets, and he always brings up China and says, look, 7% growth would be cause for national concern there, and he's right he had thought he used that well to show how stagnant we are here. This is where Hillary got more into the liberal side. We're going to have the biggest jobs program since World War II. That was the public works projects of FDR. Yeah. And that was a huge socialism movement. Mm-hmm. He was trying to find a way. Did he do it perfectly? No. Uh, was he trying to find a way to stimulate the country after the war? Yes. But that was come work for the government. And she, again, and we've pointed this out before Raise when she talks about the wage. economy, she she argues against herself. I, yeah. I'm for small business. We're going to raise the minimum wage. These two things uh, argue yeah. against each raise other. Raise the minimum wage. Debt-free college if, yeah. you, uh, if your family makes less than $125,000 a year. But she kept doubling down on making the, quote, rich people pay their fair share. Mm. And this was the one that... that almost made my head explode. She's maintaining that President Obama cut the deficit by two-thirds while he was in office. Um, now, this could this, be Washington is, bookkeeping, where it was going to be an even bigger deficit, but because right. they didn't get some projects done and they were stopped and he still signed it, then he cut it by two-thirds. So you've got to be real careful when they are, start throwing this around. There's more taxes coming in now yeah, uh, than, than before, too. Um, one of the things she brought up was... 
equal pay. And, and I thought that she was dancing very close to, to government wage controls. And not that she said that before she would love it. Uh, and that's I think that's a scary area to 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 mm-hmm. go into. Um, and I know that they haven't danced. Towards you're moving that, off. You're moving off socialism and communism to totalitarianism once you have government wage control. Yeah, I know we've discussed it before. But uh, to, to me, when she says stuff like that, that's what those are the bells and whistles that start. Uh, to Chris Wallace got to the fitness to be president topic. I'm going to I'm going to sum this up. This is the line I wrote down. And this goes for both candidates. Everything I do is misinterpreted. Everything my opponent does is terrible. <laughs> that was the feeling that I got off of that uh, entire segment. Um, this was this was the other one that stood out, and I realize we're running into Aaron Baker's time this mm-hmm. morning uh, on the morning meeting. They got to entitlements late. Uh, Trump said, basically, look, if we get the economy roaring again, the increased, even with a lower tax threshold, the increase of what's being paid will make up the deficit of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, that kind of thing. And Hillary said, well, we're just going to raise taxes. Uh, She said, we'll ask. And I thought that was an odd way to frame it. We'll ask uh, the wealthy to pay their fair share. You're not going to ask. Government doesn't ask. Right. Government tells you. Yeah. They're the one who has the unilateral power. Uh, On foreign hotspots, she said, we'll take back Mosul and and Raqqa uh, for... For the people, we will do it. My, my response was, who's we, Kimosabe? Are they paying taxes here? Are they voting in this election? Are they now U.S. citizens? I think not. I think not. I think this is more of, not that we shouldn't, but there's, there's something. Trump is right in the fact that we can't just be the good-natured, uh, sort of costumed hero for the worldwide neighborhood. There has to be some advantage for us going in there. And you can make the argument that, well, more stability in that area is good for the U.S. and so forth. And I'm open to all of those arguments. But the whole we thing is like somebody talking about a sports team that they're not on. We did this or we did that. Whoa. You know, t- take take let, let, let's take a breath here and figure out, you know, we as a country might be doing something. But those people in Mosul and Raqqa, they are not part of the we. Uh, last thing before we get to the break here and bring Aaron Baker Axiom Strategies on. Hillary made this claim, and this is one that I would love to ask her about. She said, one half of all illegal immigrants paid federal income tax last year and that Donald Trump didn't. Here's my question. How do you get a federal tax ID number if you're an if illegal you're an immigrant? Illegal, yeah, I, yeah that, I wondered aloud about that as well when it went on. Yeah. And by the way... She's obviously focus grouped this so that she doesn't open herself up. She's specifically using the phrase personal federal income tax. That's only one tiny slice of the tax pie that you pay. Sure. And he's paid gajillions of dollars in taxes just because on one particular line there's a zero. Look at the other lines. And he's paying more than you could imagine. This is the lawyer this is the lawyer politician tactic where I find this little area. Where I say something and it on a on a much larger percentage scale is is incorrect and you can find flaws with it, but technically it is correct about this one area, little area over here, and you can't say I was wrong about that. That and but this is the type of stuff that people are fed up mm-hmm. with. And and at the end of the day, this you is have the to, reason you have the rise of the outsider candidate from the jump. Right. You have to you have to decide are you are you happy where we are today as a nation and and sticking with what we've got and in who we've had doing it 
or are you willing to take a chance and think that we can do better with something unknown? And and I understand that that change is scary and doing yeah. something that you haven't done before can can because you don't know. But are you are you fed up enough with the way it's been going to take that chance? And on a fundamental level, are you willing to continue the accelerated drift towards socialism that this country has been operating under of late or are you willing to take a chance on something else? I think that's what this this election comes down to. All right, Aaron Baker, we're running a bit behind. I just text with him. He'll join us coming up as we talk about the Missouri ballot, all of its propositions and amendments next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. the morning meeting on talk radio 930 wtad our next guest is as flexible as he is well informed and we appreciate that as we stole some of his time uh, talking about last night's debate it's aaron baker from axiom strategies with us to get all things missouri under our belt aaron good morning thank you for the time hey glad to glad to be on today there's a lot of a lot of things to discuss and not much time in the election to do it well, we've talked about many of the uh, ballot measures that are going to appear statewide in Missouri at times on the run-up to this election. So today, uh, we wanted to take a look at some of the other amendments and propositions that we haven't talked about. We've talked at length about Amendment 3, the cigarette tax, so we're going to leave that on the sideline for just a moment. Uh, Constitutional Amendment number 1 in Missouri this year, it would renew the existing sales and usage tax of 0.1%. For 10 years, uh, has this been controversial at all? Because I haven't seen much on this topic. Now, this one ought to pass close to 70% yes. Farm Bureau supports it. This is a continuation of a tax uh, for the Department of Natural Resources, parks, and also uh, for soil conservation for farmers in the state. It's likely to pass. Not controversial. Not a lot of spending on either side. And uh, a lot of people confuse it with funding for uh, Department of Conservation, this is actually for DNR, and uh, it's nice that we get to renew it instead of something that just keeps going on and on forever. Uh, it's it's a likely yes. Okay, Constitutional Amendment two uh, about uh, campaign contributions. I, I think we've we've touched on this before, and and I believe you said that this uh, will likely pass as well. This one will likely pass. There's opposition from a few groups that I think because of a drafting error will not be able to contribute to candidates. That includes a. Uh, Farm Bureau, uh, electric co-ops, uh, some regional banks. And so that may play out in the courts, but this is a likely yes in, in Missouri on November 8th. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. We'll leave three aside for a moment. We've talked about that at length. Constitutional Amendment number four on the Missouri ballot. That would basically prohibit a new state sales tax or use tax on any service or activity that wasn't subject to a sales tax or use tax as of January 1, 2015. This is one that gets into voting for something to not happen, so the ballot language can get a little bit wonky. Essentially, it's saying there can't be additional taxes uh, leveraged on anything that wasn't taxed previously. This seems like something that Missouri is going to go for, in my mind, Aaron. Well, it, it would if folks understood uh, that if they don't want to ever pay tax on getting a haircut, 
uh, they need to vote yes. But the question is so confusing that I really think that it's going to struggle to pass. I think if you really got deep down into it and folks really read it, I think it would be a pass, uh, a yes here. Uh, there are some conservatives that oppose it because it will make it harder to get rid of the income tax in the state, which, uh, as we've said before, is something that could happen. And uh, we'll see how it shakes out. But I, I think this one is likely to be a no vote, but has a lot of support from realtors. And I could be surprised. They have enough money to spend to move people to the yes. Uh, but it, it's a very complicated issue. Uh, Amendment 6, uh, empowering the uh, state government to require uh, voter ID for uh, elections. Uh, we had Will Krause in the studio talking about this. Uh, I believe we've talked about this likely passing as well. This, will, this is probably of all the, the likeliest to pass uh, besides the uh, campaign contribution limits. The legislature, you may remember, passed voter ID, and they've done it before in the past, but the court said that it was unconstitutional. Well, this, voting yes on this will make it constitutional and hopefully bring voter ID back to Missouri where you're required to sign a photo. You're, you're required to present a photo ID issued by the government. If you aren't able to do that, you can go ahead and cast a provisional ballot. Also, if you can't afford a photo ID or somehow you're living in 2016 and don't have one, the government will provide you one for free. So there's uh, a lot of Democrats actually stood down because of those provisions. And uh, we'll see if this one happens. But I, I think this one's a, a likely yes. If this passes, could it be something that other states use uh, to, to uh, you know, try and pass in their other states as well? That's right. I, I think that a lot of states that have had trouble with this and courts, and courts throwing it out are going to have to use the two-pronged approach of constitution and statute change. Uh, and there's no there's no guarantee, though, that this one won't be thrown out by the courts as well. Courts have not been uh, supportive of voter ID in the past, although some states have been able to keep theirs. Hopefully this will become law in Missouri and uh, folks will feel better about having secure elections in the state. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting as we go over the ballot measures that will be statewide in Missouri coming up on Election Day. All right, let's recap before we get into the sticky two-tiered question on Constitutional Amendment 1. Aaron has said this is going to go probably 70% yes. Uh, he predicted Constitutional Amendment 2 to pass, that 4 would struggle to pass, and that uh, 6 will in fact pass. So, Aaron Baker, let's get into the sort of two-part question now. Constitutional Amendment 3, that would increase taxes on cigarette packs to 60 cents by 2020, but that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with Prop A that would increase taxes on cigarettes and other tobacco products a total of 23 cents per pack by 2021. This could be an either-or, a neither, or a both. So how do you see these kind of playing out? So at, at this point, it seems that Proposition A, which is the cigarette tax for roads, has, is actually more popular than the one for kids. Uh, Constitutional Amendment Number 3, which is, quote, for the kids, has taken on a lot of water because the makers of Joe Camel have put in more than $9 million now to get it passed. And if you remember, 3 is actually less about the kids and less about cigarette taxes overall and more about an additional 67 cent fee that uh, Constitutional Amendment 3 would put on uh, players called Little Tobacco. So companies that didn't lie to Congress and aren't part of the master settlement would have to pay a buck 27 more in taxes uh, if, if this passes. 
So uh, you may have seen the ads with Joe Camel and whatnot. That, that constitutional amendment number three has taken on a lot of water in the last 10 days. Uh, Prop, proposition A is, is for the tax for the roads hasn't really had anyone spending any money for or against. And so there's also not a lot of polling for it. Uh, but I would think if cigarette taxes go down for the kids, <clears throat> then it's probably going to go down uh, just collateral damage on uh, roads as well. But We'll see what voters do. I think three is a likely no in Missouri, and I think Proposition A for the roads uh, is a toss-up. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Aaron, uh, Donald Trump has been uh, talking about elections being quote-unquote rigged, and there's been a couple of stories that have popped up over the last week about uh, Trump urging Missouri supporters to become volunteer election observers, and you have the uh, DOJ saying that there are going to be fewer uh, federal observers out for this election. Is there a need for volunteer election observers at the polls this year? I don't think that it's. Uh, I think that it's it's a good civic duty for folks to be interested in the election. It's uh, eas- easily done in Missouri for you to sign up to just sit there and watch what's happening as an additional election observer besides the uh, law requiring a Republican and a Democrat judge, uh, just, you know, kind of your old lady neighbor that gets paid 100 bucks to sit and work through all these handing out ballots every day. I think that it's fine to do that in a civic en- engagement type of way. Uh, I know my local GOP in a very rural county in northeast Missouri uh, sent it to me and asked me to forward it out to others. And I said, you know, I really don't think this is an issue in our county, but they're looking for volunteers in places like northeast Missouri to go to precincts in, in St. Louis. Uh, I do, however, think it's important for us to uh, trust the results that come, do our best to make sure that the election is handled in the right way, but trust the results and respect the transition of power thereafter. Um, just in a, a civic duty type of way, uh, I, I think that otherwise it, it gets a little gets a little rough for uh, the country. Transition of power seems to be a hot topic lately mm-hmm. in politics. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning from Axiom Strategies. All right, Aaron, about uh, two three minutes left this morning. What are the hot races in Missouri as we start to wheel toward election day? I think the the races that are I, I think that you can put them into different buckets. I think that Eric Schmidt for state treasurer, Josh Hawley for attorney general, and, and Jay Ashcroft for uh, secretary of state, I think you can put them in a safe Republican bucket. And uh, just to point out, those are all seats that are currently held by Democrats. And then for the first time in Missouri, for a long time at least, every single statewide seat that's up is an open seat. So those would be safe Republican elections, uh, a wins and moving from Democrat to Republican uh, in party. I think the closer races that we're going to have are Parson uh, for Lieutenant Governor and Roy Blunt for U.S. Senate. I would call them both uh, toss-ups right now. I would argue that Roy Blunt is, has done a good job as a senator, and uh, Jason Kander is a liberal. I'd like to see Roy Blunt attack Kander a little bit more. But I think that those two races are toss-ups. Uh, and then I think the governor's race, uh, it's seems like Greitens is going to have enough money to catch up to Coster, uh, but he's running out of time and uh, still needs to consolidate kind of a conservative base in the state, particularly in, in rural counties that, that Republicans usually see. 
So I think that one is is a, a lean Democrat type of race. But in Missouri, with Trump up now around 10 points, I think that it's possible for a sweep and for Trump supporters to come in and, and help all the candidates in the party uh, towards victory. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Aaron, just a short answer. I know we usually just talk Missouri politics with you, but your firm has an uncommon understanding of the Texas market through some work and affiliations that you have there. Uh, Many of the national pundits are putting Texas, when it comes to the presidential race and the Electoral College, in the toss-up column for the first time in, I think, since I was born. Uh, Do you really believe that to be the case, or do you think Texas still goes red? No, it seems like every October, if folks uh, kind of oversample uh, maybe Hispanics and, and other minorities in Texas and, and see that there's potential, and then it's, it's a blowout. I think that that's the case in Texas as well. We've been watching a lot of the state Senate races. There's no possible pickups in competitive seats there in Texas. I think the party brand is holding solid. Um, I think that uh, you'll see a lot of consolidation amongst the party and, and, and conservatives towards towards Trump, back to Trump, really. They were with him earlier, so I, I believe they'll come back to him. And I don't think that Texas is a toss-up. If Missouri's not a toss-up, I, I can't imagine that Texas is. And with Trump up 10 here, I can't think that we're so unique that uh, a lot of red states aren't doing the same thing we are. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Aaron, thank you so much for the insight. We appreciate it. We're coming right down to Election Day. Looking forward to talking with you again soon. All right. We'll see you then. Thanks. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. We'll wrap it up next here on WTAD. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. That was a wild ride this morning. Tomorrow is probably going to be about the same, so if you forgot to seatbelt yourself in today, be ready tomorrow. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, and tomorrow, Quaid, Governor Rauner has decided to do something that many of his core conservative supporters were hoping that he wouldn't. We'll leave you to mull that over tonight. We'll get to that tomorrow here on the morning meeting. Dun, dun, dun. By the way, don't forget, you can now listen uh, on the FM side of the dial to WTAD at 103.3. And coming up on uh, Sunday, another chance for you to watch the Madigan documentary. I'll give you all that information again tomorrow. I know you'd just forget today. Set your DVR. That's going to do it for us. Grab the podcast in mere moments. We're back tomorrow to wrap up the week on the morning meeting. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.